I lived in Galloway Township, New Jersey. I know about the Jersey Devil, Pine Barrens, and that sort of stuff. I'm also not really a believer, but I'm not a total skeptic either. I'm sure it's possible for monsters and ghosts to exist, but without having much experience, I don't know. Anyway, one night in 2015, I was home alone. I was 16 years old and my parents worked pretty late, and didn't get home until 3 to 4 am. I was used to it, no siblings, just a dog and five cats, so I had the house to myself. I'm laying on the couch watching TV and I notice something out of the corner of my eye, another pair of eyes looking at me through the sliding door glass. At first, I just assumed it was an animal or something, we get possums a lot at night so I didn't think much about it. Five minutes go by and I hear this weird clawing at the door. My living room was fairly large, TV is in front of me. Then, a couple feet away is the dining room table, and another sliding glass door that leads to my back porch and yard. The thing was on the porch. I got up to investigate, first by flicking the light switch on and immediately it scrambled off the porch. It seemed to be scared of light, so I turned it off, and grabbed a flashlight. It wasn't there, so I continued to assume an animal and went back to the couch. An hour goes by, and I hear this loud shriek coming from the yard. This time, getting scared, I jumped up and ran with the flashlight. I dimmed it down by taking my index finger and middle finger and kind of coiled it along the light, still making it visible, but not as bright. I shone it around the yard, and the thing was still there, but this time it was eating something. It looked to be small, like a rabbit. Where I live, there's a ton of coyotes, so maybe one had strayed. But again, that shriek was awful, and not something I've ever heard come from a coyote's mouth. This thing was human, or close to it, anyway. The skin was black and kind of wrinkled, it had long limbs and seemed to be in a crouch position most of the time, but it was extremely fast. I got scared and shone the light at it directly, and it again, screamed and dashed off into the woods. I stayed up until my parents came home. I didn't tell them yet, just in case if it was something silly. I went to bed, and for the rest of the night, nothing about it came up. Any idea of what this thing is? Any help or advice is greatly appreciated. I'm an animal lover, so I don't want my cats or my dog outside one day and then getting devoured by God knows what's out there. When I was in my early teen years, me and my family moved into a cabin owned by my father's boss for a whole year, pick-related, he worked at a logging mill in northern Minnesota about 100 miles from Canada, the cabin was a few miles away from the mill. Other than a gasoline generator located in a small shack outside, we had no electricity, nor running water or any modern amenities. I was no stranger to the forest or nocturnal forest adventures at this point so living here wasn't so bad from the outside looking in, but the first sense of this place you get is a strong sense of being watched and the absolute dead silence, these two factors alone would remain a 24-7 norm at this place, in the sense that this atmosphere never really changed unless it was storming, to the point where while me and my siblings were at school and my dad at work, my mom would hide away during broad daylight because of the sense and describing hearing what sounded like someone jumping and crawling on the sheet metal roof occasionally. To the main course of this story, most of my experience there came at night, where more often than not, I would always be the last one asleep, when this would happen, there would be shadowy figures at the windows outside this living room or outside my bedroom window, I remember so many nights where I would be paralyzed with fear, true fear, feeling this figure's gaze on me, with an almost telepathic sense that the figure was communicating with me with a language of emotions. There were many opportunities for me to be taken alone, but I can't remember a ton of what would happen on my 1.5 miles walks from where the bus would drop me off. For the longest time my father, he was a seasoned hunter and former linebacker in high school, never believed me as a kid until one night he asked me to dump the sink bucket outside, I refused because it was dark and that those things were out there, he scoffed it off having a few drinks in him, 
led me out the front door while I held the bucket and got two feet out before something heavy booked it through the forest like a bulldozer from right outside the door sending my father back inside and pushing me. Another instance we had was with my younger brother while exploring a game trail, we were approaching a cutout in the forest for power lines when something screamed at us and my dad got us out of there. A scream that mimicked a woman screaming bloody murder but with the ferocity or power of an elephant. It went right through you like the strongest dose of infrasound possible. Another strange event to my father. Oh and every morning my mom would start the generator so we could get ready for school and before she would something would smack the generator shack and take off into the forest scaring the hell out of my mom. First time posting on Reddit, you guys ever experienced this? In the summer of 2005, La Kesha, then seven, and her family, mother, father, two older sisters, had just moved to a new town, undisclosed, in British Columbia, Canada. The location they moved to was a group of townhouses on a cul-de-sac. There was a huge backyard that was shared with all the other townhouses in that one section. And there was a giant tree right outside of their balcony. Anyone who lived there had to cross by the tree to get into the townhouse complex. Anyway, in the summer, because it was quite hot, she and her sister, Eleven, would sleep out on the balcony under the stars. They had a whole cozy sleeping bag arrangement out there. They did this almost every night. Until one night, everything changed. I had what I thought was a dream. I saw these hands come up on the balcony and the balcony was on the second story and it kind of pulled itself up. It was this little girl but where the eyes were supposed to be, it was nothing. It was just like black holes. And I just remember feeling so afraid. Things went blank and her next memory was, her words, snapping out of it and waking up her sister. She told her that a bug had freaked her out and that they should go inside. She never slept on that balcony again, after that, it was so unsettling to her. She also never told her sister why, thinking it was just a bad dream and her sister might think her silly. Two months later, La Kesha Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Asha was outside with some neighbor kids, hanging out by the tree. Her second older sister approached them and told them that they should stay away from the tree. She proceeded to tell them what a neighbor had told her. Apparently, one of the neighbors in the complex had arrived home between 10 and 11 p.m. and was walking past the tree when he noticed a little girl playing by it. He found this to be quite odd. He walked up to her, asking her where her parents were and telling her that she should probably go home since it was late. She did not respond to him so he went up to her and he touched her shoulder. When she turned around to face him, he noticed that this little girl had no eyes. Where her eyes were supposed to be, there were just black holes. Frightened, he ran home. This little girl or whatever it was, chased him all the way home, back to his house. He was terrified by what he saw and told the neighbors to keep the kids away from the tree. He moved soon after. La Kesha had not told anyone of her bizarre experience and she was shocked. Even the description matched what she had seen. What were the chances that another person would see what she saw in her dream? She no longer believes that it was a dream but rather something that really happened.
I remember feeling so afraid, she recalled. She sensed there was something truly sinister about the entity and she still gets spooked thinking about it even today. This is one of the more bizarre MIB encounters I have received, a multifaceted incident with a faceless MIB, a female MIB, and a possible time slip. Very interesting. This event took place approximately 19 years ago, around 1998. A friend and I were on our way back to my place at about 2 a.m. one night coming from Exton, Pennsylvania. We stopped at the Turkey Hill on RT 323 east of the town of Honey Brook to grab something to drink. I pulled into a parking space on the left side of the store in front of the window. I got out of the car, my friend remained in the car. Passing the window I noticed a man leaning down on the windowsill inside, he was wearing a wide-brimmed black hat and had his head down so I couldn't see his face, just the hat. Entering the store I noticed the male clerk behind the counter with his back to me, I retrieved the drinks I went in for and proceeded to the counter. As I did, I observed the man leaning down in the sill, head still down, wearing all black and a black trench coat. Paying for my items I noticed the clerk acted as if the man wasn't even there, but slightly spooked at the same time, being very short with words, and very precise in his actions. Leaving the store I intended to relay this to my friend waiting in my car. As I got back in she was looking at the man leaning down in the sill and asked if I see this guy. I said yes and had told her a little about being inside the store as I put the car in reverse to leave. At that point the man began to raise his head, he faced directly out at us, but oddly, as my friend yelled, he had no face, it was like it was blurred out, like they do on TV. Needless to say we were both freaked out a little and I tore off out of the lot and headed east toward my home which was only a quarter mile or so from the store. My friend and I were silent at this point as I pulled into the entrance of my mobile home park. I stopped the car there and told my friend we were going back as I suspected the clerk may be getting robbed by the man in the window. We headed out of the entrance and west back to the store. I decided to make a right on a back road across from the store, by a local store slash deli and told my friend to look over inside the store to see what she could. The man was no longer crouching in the sill, but couldn't be seen inside anywhere either. I proceeded a short distance down this road to turn around when we witnessed a female, wearing all black, walking towards us in the middle of the opposite lane. After passing her I immediately turned around to head back toward the store and asked the female if she needed help. Reaching the stop sign at the intersection we noticed she was gone. We then turned our attention back to the store across the street and decided to go right, heading west on 322, slowly past the store when we noticed the man was now outside, crouching by the pay phone, head down, to the right of the store and a blacked-out Lincoln Continental or town car parked to his left we hadn't noticed before. The clerk was inside standing behind the counter at this point staring straight out the windows and perfectly still. I turned around a short distance down at the next mobile home park with the small diner in front and proceeded east again. This time we pulled back into the parking lot, the man, the car, and the clerk still in the same positions as previous. The man began raising his head again, and again, I tore off out of the lot, going east on 322 toward my home, about 300 feet from leaving the lot I had to swerve to miss another man, wearing all black, walking towards us, in the center of our lane, going west towards the store. Both mine, and my friend's hearts were pounding at this point and again, I had to turn around and go back wondering what the hell was going on. As we returned back to the store and pulled into the lot we noticed that the walking man was gone, the crouching man with no face was gone, and the car was gone, and the male clerk from inside, was now a female clerk moving around doing work inside the store. At no time did we witness any other patrons to the store, nor anyone else inside the store, nor any other vehicles in the lot during any of this. After finally returning home, and talking for a bit, my friend calmed down enough to drive herself home. Passing the store after leaving, 
The same female clerk was still the only person there. My friend's car subsequently broke down on her a short distance away, transmission blue, she did make it home safe that night though. I frequented that same store, and days later saw that same male clerk working there where I noticed his demeanor to be totally different than that night. Neither of us at the time thought we had witnessed men in black activity. It wasn't until years later while researching stories of MIB encounters that it hit me. We have both seen unidentified craft periodically throughout our lives, and she, and her mother, have witnessed a being that didn't seem of this earth. We still keep in contact to this day. Because of a landed unidentified craft my mother witnessed in the late 1970s when I was about 8 or 9 I've researched events involving UFOs throughout my life and attempt to investigate sightings now. How would you like to look 5 years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking 5 years younger at 6 months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The story may very well be the tale of one of the earliest recorded Sasquatch sightings in the history of the Lone Star State. While not well known in other parts of the country, the legend has achieved mythical status here in Texas. It goes something like this. It all began in 1837, shortly after Sam Houston and his army had secured independence from Mexico for Texas by defeating Santa Ana at the Battle of San Jacinto. Settlers who had fled from the advancing Mexican army during the runaway scrape had returned to their homesteads and were starting over. It was about this time that odd tracks began turning up near various settlements and homes along the Navidad River. There were usually two sets of tracks, one pair larger than the other and always barefoot, so it was widely assumed the prints belonged to a male and a female. Sometimes they appeared in the sweet potato or cornfields where the pair helped themselves to some of the bounty secured by the labors of the sod-busting settlers. No one ever saw this pair. It seemed they took great pains to avoid detection and, other than helping themselves to some of the crops, avoided mischief of any kind. Speculation ran rampant as to who the mysterious barefoot couple could be. 
Some thought they were runaway slaves while others posited they were children, a brother and sister perhaps, who had been separated from their family during the war for Texas independence and had gone feral. Of course, many assumed they were a pair of wandering Indians. There were holes in all of these theories but it didn't keep many a lively debate from being enjoyed by the locals who defended their position regarding the possible origin of these two mysterious visitors. A couple of years passed and the barefoot tracks of the larger individual ceased to be seen. The smaller tracks continued to be spotted, however, so it was assumed the larger male had died. Indeed, Skeletal remains of what appeared to be a man were found by local hunters when they noticed bones protruding from a pile of sticks and leaves in a wooded area near the Navidad River. Logic seemed to dictate that these remains belonged to the male recluse who had so often frequented the fields of the area. The tracks of the smaller individual continued to appear in the potato fields of the area unabated. In fact, the visits seemed to increase in frequency. The people of the community wondered if this might not be due to the fact that the woman was not as adept at finding game as her mate had been. For various reasons, ranging from a desire to help this recluse to mere curiosity, a plan was hatched by several of the young men in the area to lie in wait and capture the wild woman. One night, as they hunkered down in a potato field, she came. The night was dark but the men claimed they could discern the figure of a woman, apparently unclothed, cautiously approaching their location. When she had drawn near to them they sprang in an effort to capture her with their bare hands. They drew nothing but air, however, as the woman, exhibiting impressive agility, dodged, ducked, and quickly bounded away without their ever laying a hand upon her. No sign of the wild woman was seen for several months afterward. At length, the wild woman returned though her tactics changed a bit. She continued to visit the potato fields but became more bold and started entering the cabins of the settlers on her visits. The settlers thought that this must be a sign of desperation as she was risking her life by entering homesteads at night while the occupants slept. In addition to owning firearms, nearly all the settlers kept two or more large and fiercely protective dogs. The dogs were the alarm systems of the day and were kept to protect the families from interlopers be they man, big cat, bear, or something else. The wild woman, seemingly, was able to step right over these dogs and enter the premises. Once inside, she would take only what she needed. It was widely reported that she would tear a loaf of bread in two and take only one half. Her motive always seemed to have been hunger. Several times the wild woman had the opportunity to take gold watches, silverware, guns, and powder but never did so. She only took some, never all, of the food. All the while, nary a settler awoke during her intrusions nor did a dog so much as whimper upon her trespasses. This ability to sneak in and out of occupied homes gave rise to much superstition regarding just who, or what, the wild woman actually was. The slaves in particular were greatly disturbed at the prospect of receiving a nighttime visit from the wild woman and took to calling her the thing that comes. It was soon discovered that the wild woman would often enter a crib, or storage building, in the area that housed harvested corn. As always, she took only a trivial amount, but the curious felt this was just the way to catch her. All that need be done was have someone hide within the crib and shut the wild woman inside once she had entered. For several nights the watch was kept to no avail. The locals were not discouraged, however, and their patience was rewarded when the wild woman returned to the crib. The man on watch that night was lightly dozing when he heard the soft rustling of the corn husks. All he needed to do was close the door, slide the bolt, and call out to his friends, however, he was overcome by an unexplainable dread and could not bring himself to stay even one more second inside the crib with that thing that comes. He cried out in his fear before making his move and the creature tore out of the door with blinding speed. Another opportunity had been lost. Years passed and the wild woman of the Navidad continued to haunt the fields, homes, and animal pens of the settlers. It is said that she began to take things other than food, a chain, a hacksaw, forks, 
a pitcher, etc. What she might have done with these things is not clear. The possibility that the wild woman became a convenient foil for those who had misplaced items must also be considered. One thing remained constant, however, and that is that during all her comings and goings never a bark, growl, or whimper was ever raised by even a single dog when she paid her visits. This baffled the settlers and began to weigh heavy on their minds. Just what kind of being was this thing that comes? All of this had been going on for roughly eight years when a crude camp was found in the heavily wooded area near the river. Many of the items that had come up missing over the last year or so were found there. Among the items in the camp was a Bible. Could the wild woman read? No clothing was found and the only bedding was a pile of moss and leaves. Once again, pity for this wretched creature welled up within the hearts of the settlers. How could they just leave this poor woman alone out in the wilderness? It was resolved then and there that this mystery had to be solved. A new plan was devised by the locals that was more systematic and sophisticated than previous plans to capture the wild woman. A number of hunters would form extended lines and drive through the woods with leashed hounds. Other mounted men, lassos in hand, would take stands outside the brush line in the hopes of roping the woman once she had been flushed out of the woods and onto the open prairie. The plan was implemented without success several times. The hunters got a break when a settler found fresh sign of the wild woman and took up positions that very night in the area. Their quarry was, indeed, in the area. It is generally known that hounds bark, bay, and cry in different ways depending on the animal who sent they are following. That night under a bright moon, the hounds raised a cry that their owners had never heard before. They were on the scent of that thing that comes. Shortly after the hounds were on the track there came a rustling of brush near one of the lasso men who was waiting outside the timberline. Suddenly, there she was, the wild woman of the Navidad. The creature sprinted out of the brush at an amazing rate of speed. She was attempting to reach another heavily wooded area several hundred yards across the open prairie. The rider spurred his horse to full speed in an attempt to catch the sprinting figure. To his amazement, the rider had to push his mount to a full gallop to get within range of the fleeing woman. He pulled to within lasso range several times but each time his horse, obviously afraid of this strange creature, shied and his throws came up short. Within moments the wild woman reached the safety of the woods and the chase was over. The disappointed hunters regrouped and the rider who had pursued the wild woman gave his account. He had drawn close to her several times before his horse shied away and had gotten a good look. She had long hair, almost down to her feet, that flew behind her as she ran. She wore no clothing of any kind and was covered completely in short brown hair. The rider had not been able to get a very good look at her face as she only took a few frightened glances over her shoulder at him. The rider said that initially she had been carrying an object of some kind but had dropped it during the pursuit. The hunter spread out to look and found what was described as a club, roughly five feet long. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is... AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier, all built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
I'm Ina Garten. Welcome to Be My Guest, the podcast. One of the best gifts you can give friends is spending time together. But what's even better than that? Cooking with them. On Be My Guest, the podcast, new friends and old stop by my barn for some conversation and great cooking. We talk about food, life, and everything in between. Listen to Be My Guest, the podcast with me, Ina Garten, and join us wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com Additional searches were made with no luck. The wild woman of the Navidad had vanished. In 1850, during a particularly harsh winter, fresh prints were found. Rejuvenated by this find, the hunters were soon back on the hoof. The hounds were quickly on the trail though it was noted their cries were of a more familiar nature this time. To the delight of the hunters, their quarry was treed in short order. Instead of the wild woman, however, they found a black man, completely naked and frightened, clinging to the tree. It was discovered, with the help of a local who had worked in the slave trade, that he was a runaway slave who had escaped from his owner some years before along with a male counterpart. The slave did not speak much English, as he had but recently been brought over from Africa when he made good his escape, but the interpreter was able to discern how his partner had died some years earlier and he had been forced to steal food in order to supplement his diet as his counterpart had been the more adept of the two at capturing game. The slave was taken back to town where he was held for a good while. His feet were measured and found to match the dimensions of the recently discovered tracks perfectly. He was quite the attraction among the locals who wanted a glimpse of that thing that comes. Public notices were posted in various newspapers throughout the region, but no slave owner ever stepped forward to claim the captive. It was decided to put this runaway up for sale at public auction. He was sold back into slavery and the mysterious nighttime visitation ceased. Likewise, no more barefoot tracks were found in the area. It seemed the wild woman of the Navidad was no more. I saw one Sasquatch in Napoli, New York, by Sawmill Run. It was October 2000. My dad and I were hunting turkey on state land we were walking slow and quietly stopping and looking around. We were about 20 yards apart and we were both looking S.E. I turned slowly and didn't see anything, but then did see movement in front of me. I pulled up my gun, ready for a turkey. It was about 20 yards away and I didn't shoot. I didn't know what it was. It was on two legs, all brown red hair all over it and at least six feet tall. It took off running like a big guy, but swift. It ran downhill away from me and was out of sight. My dad was still looking the other way. I wish he saw it too, but he didn't. While coon hunting a few years back me and my hunting partner heard a strange scream like we have never heard before, we have heard bobcats, lynx almost anything that makes noise we have heard but on this one night we heard something neither of us can explain whatever it was was about 75 yards away and within 5 seconds was about 200 yards away we don't know if there was more than one cause we never stuck around long enough to find out we hightailed it back to the truck we usually don't get scared we're used to being out in the dark at night but whatever was McKick that horrific noise was big I've heard some of the vocalizations you guys have recorded and the screams sound familiar to what we heard my buddy I don't think has told anyone about this and until no I haven't either. Hi, in the end of January 2003 my wife and I were spotlighting for deer and coyotes in Waterport, New York. We were driving my 4x4 truck through the apple orchards. The lane went through a large hedgerow with a small stream in it. When we got to the other side we spotlighted along the woods. About 75 to 100 yards there is an old spot they used to dump garbage. There was something standing next to the old fridge. I have hunted these woods since I was a little boy and never had seen anything like this. 
Its belly was about the top of an almost six-foot-tall fridge. I know it was an animal because its eyes reflected in the spotlight. It looked almost like a bear standing on its hind feet, but there is no bears in this part of the state. As we sat there trying to figure out what it was it started to turn and walk into the woods. Once we didn't have any weapons on us we just got the hell out of there. I was out hunting when I saw a creature that I thought was a bear. Then a second, much smaller creature that I realized was a Bigfoot, come out of the brush. I shot at them with my bow to scare them, and the larger one, which must have been 8 to 8.5 feet tall picked up the smaller one and placed it on its back and walked, not ran, away. I then quickly packed up and ran to the UTV I was using. I was driving on a back road in Rhinebeck, New York. I was heading to a rehearsal at the Rhinebeck Center of Performing Arts at about 6 in the evening. The road is called Pilgrim's Progress Road. While I was driving on this road, I passed a 20 mile per hour road sign because it's a sharp right turn, but on the same road. The road is very curvy. I passed this turn, and in the middle of the road was a Hannaford bag with an open cereal box, and a log placed in the bag. I had to go in the left lane to miss the bag. As I passed the bag, something darted behind my car from the left. I looked in my rear view mirror, and saw this big, black thing right where the bag was. At first, I thought it was a bear because it looked like it was on all fours. I kept driving, looking in my rear view mirror. After a few seconds, it was out of my vision. I kept driving down the road until I pulled into a driveway on the right, and turned around to see what it was. As I got to the location where the bag was, I noticed the bag was missing. I kept driving for about 0.2 miles down the road, past the 20 miles per hour sign. As I turned, I saw something walking on two feet about 50 yards in front of my car. It was walking on the side of the road. I could see that it was definitely not a bear. It was black, and it looked as if the hair was short. Its back was towards me, and the shoulders were very broad. It looked like it was slouching, and I couldn't really see its arms. I don't know if it was holding something, or if it was the way it walked. I'm about 6 feet 5 inches, and it looked like it was taller than me from what I saw. I saw it for a good 3 to 4 seconds, until it leapt up this little hill to the right. I sped up to the location I saw it leap from, and got out of my vehicle. I looked all around because there weren't many trees. The grass was very high though. I didn't see it after that. I was nervous, confused, and excited at the same time. I was a skeptic. I never really believed in the existence of Bigfoot until a few weeks ago when I had my first encounter. I did my researches, I tried my best and here it is, all the work I did in three weeks of hard studies, unfortunately I can't back it up with photographic evidence, but I have a DNA sample that I'm going to have tested. Many of the indigenous cultures across the North American continent include tales of mysterious hair-covered creatures living in forests, and according to anthropologist David Daigling, these legends existed long before contemporary reports of Bigfoot. These stories differed in their details both regionally and between families in the same community. Bigfeet are not particularly vocal, but will on occasion make loud, howling calls to alert other orangutans of their presence. CIA admits to being responsible for at least half of UFO sightings in the 50s and 60s, if they were responsible for the Bigfoot sightings they would have told us. This means they are trying to hide something from us. The Patterson-Gimlin film has seen relatively little interest from mainstream scientists, this means they are trying to hide them. Statements of scientists who viewed the film at a screening, or who conducted a study, are reprinted in Chris Murphy's Bigfoot film journal. Typical objections include, Neither humans nor chimpanzees have hairy breasts as does the figure in the film, and Napier has noted that a sagittal crest is only very occasionally seen, 
to an insignificant extent, in chimpanzees females. Critics have argued these features are evidence against authenticity. Krantz countered the latter point, saying a sagittal crest is a consequence of absolute size alone. Think about it, if they are hiding them it's because they want to keep them hidden, so that we cannot find them. If we cannot find them, we won't be able to help them, they are probably trying to use the big feet to fulfill some cruel experiment, just like the fur-bearing trouts. I was driving outside of Alamogordo, New Mexico. This occurred in the year 1990 during a the late night. I was transporting a buddy from Long Island, New York all the way to Tucson, Arizona. I'd been traveling through the mountains to get to Alamogordo, New Mexico. Then some mutt comes out and stops in the middle of my lane, thinking that I was going to give it a good whack. So quickly brought the vehicle to a halt. I'm towing a trailer behind me. My vehicle is a Toyota pickup truck, and I'm pulling a U-Haul trailer behind it. My buddy was sleeping in the passenger seat. Hey, wake up. Take a look at this. I opened my door into order to get a better look. Then the dog stood up on two legs. It had short front legs and the body like a dingo. The eyes were brightly reflecting the light from my headlights. Dingoes are native to the continent of Australia. They are not out in the middle of the desert in the southwestern United States. This thing then quickly walks up to my door. After making some marks on the glass, it attempted to physically unlock the door. It reared up on his rear hind legs, and was genuinely attempting to raise the door handle like it understood what it was doing. Again, I yelled to my buddy, Hey Dave, wake up. Then he turned his head to the side and said, What the heck is that? The vehicle had a manual transmission, so I placed it in first gear. I began putting things in after I placed it in first. We were climbing a hill at the time. I'm thinking to myself that I have no idea what the heck that was, but it was absolutely insane. It's likely that it would have entered the cab if I hadn't been quick enough to shut the door and lock it. I'll never forget it. I was maybe 20 or 21 at the time. I'm 44 now. It's the strangest thing I've ever seen. Me and my friends were going through this trail at night in a very dense forest. Everyone went quite for literally no reason, I asked what was wrong. Everyone just said they felt strange, like something bad was about to happen. It sure did, because I stopped in the middle of the road, just at the very edge of the darkness my lights were. A very weird figure ran from one side to the other, it was not human. I will say that, just because it didn't look like someone running, it was a shadowy figure and it ran across in a very fluid motion, I don't know if my eyes were playing tricks on me, but I asked my friends they said they all saw it. Now here's the most stupid thing I ever did as a skeptic of paranormal. I got out my car. Immediately, complete silence. No birds, nothing. In pitch black. I hear a crumple of leaves in the distance, so I got my phone's flashlight out and pointed in at the direction. What I saw next I have had nightmares about and I rarely talk about it. It was absolutely just something that shouldn't have happened. I saw an arm around a tree in the distance. It was not human, at all. Then it disappeared. I said nothing, and I couldn't feel anything. I casually walked to my car, and didn't say a word to my friends, I put my foot down as fast as possible. Got on a main road and connected up with the motorway. My friends asked me what happened multiple times. I pulled up in a services, and I turned back and just said I saw an arm wrapped around a tree, that wasn't human. We hardly talk about it, and it's the creepiest thing ever. In 2008 or 2009, a friend and I got stoned AF and walked to and along the Los Gatos Creek often. One time at night, in the water, we saw what we later half seriously decided were mermaids. They were chubby and squat and dark and not very good looking, 
and gave us an uneasy feeling because they seemed out of place, even though they swam and twisted through the water easily. My parents' house was supposedly built on an 1800s mass grave. The area was a town occupied by settlers that were killed by Native Americans pretty brutally. I was asleep one night during the summer and woke up in the middle of the night because I was cold. I grabbed my blanket and on my bedpost I kept hearing scratching and someone whispering, shh, quiet. It happened more than one time so I know I wasn't hearing things and I know it wasn't a dream because I answered what? And it stopped. I had a lot of other weird experiences in my parents' house since I was a kid but that one event in particular freaked me out the most. My grandfather told me this story when I was staying at his place a couple of years ago. I don't remember how it came up exactly, but I think it fits this thread well. It was so odd and out of the blue, and I was so taken aback that I wrote down all the details that I could remember after the fact, so this isn't a word-for-word -word transcription, but it'll suffice. Anyways, back in the 1960s, my grandfather on my dad's side was drafted into the army for the Vietnam War. He gets discharged in late 1972, and drifts apart from all of his war buddies, except for one. They live remarkably close to one another in Washington state, and both exhibit some serious post-war PTSD issues. Therefore, they both decide to go on a hunting trip together, in around the autumn season of 1973, to try to find healing or closure post-war. As he tells it, he would always hunt deer in the woods behind his house. In those days, his home was more of a cabin, with basic necessities. It's probably late afternoon in rural Washington state. Anyone who's been in the Pacific Northwest forest knows how thick and dense the foliage and trees are. Not to mention the fog. You can't see far ahead of you. Sight lines become blurred. Sounds around you become amplified. This sense of isolation causes your blood pressure to rise. So, my grandfather and his friend from Nam are both hunting off trail, tying bright markers on tree branches as they move through the underbrush, so they don't get lost. Suddenly, they hear a sound. It's the blaring sound of a train horn. It's so loud, it causes the two men to become disoriented. My grandfather recalls that he fell to his knees, hands on ear, screaming, feeling his throat moving air, yet not hearing it. This sound doesn't seem to have direction. The sound is all-encompassing. It's everywhere. The ground is shaking. And, like a bad cliché, as soon as it began, it stopped, dissipating in an instant. They both are kneeling there, stunned. Their ears are ringing so badly they can't hear their own voices. Their mouths move, but nothing happens. As the sun sets, they begin to head back, obviously spooked beyond belief. As their eardrums are shot, they scribble notes to each other on a notepad as they hike back to my grandfather's cabin. As they are heading back, they see something hanging behind a tree up ahead on the trail. Its outlines are blurred, but as it floats, the best way my grandpa described it to me, towards them it's revealed. It's themselves. It wasn't like looking in a mirror per se. Because it was a creature. My grandfather felt it. The thing was blurry and fuzzy, but my grandfather, in his early thirties at the time, said that he saw himself as an old man, white beard, frail, sunken eyes. He had to squint, but his facial features were the same. His war friend, however, had a bullet hole in his head. The figure then morphed into black. An eternal void. Death. The early evening pinkish-orange sun rays just ended when they reached this blackness. They panicked at this point, running backwards into the woods, screaming like madmen. As darkness fell, they decided to keep on going, refusing to camp out in those woods. When recounting this story for me, my grandfather, never overly religious, said, Op, I don't know what in the hell that thing we saw was, but I know for sure. And I mean damn sure, that it wasn't from this earth. 
What still bothers me is that I never saw what it actually looked like. I thought after the fact that it might have been a manifestation of Satan, because it was evil. And I'll tell you, I saw true evil in people during the war. But that thing, op, I don't know. It was something else. It was an evil bastard, and if I would have gotten closer, well. He trailed off there, but his uncomfortable, haunted glance practically finished the rest. After sprinting for a few miles, their flashlights luckily illuminating their trail markers, they reached the cabin, the night sky completely moonless. They anxiously stayed in the cabin until sunrise, their loaded hunting rifles next to them at all times, the windows and doors locked, blinds all shut, no lights on. If that thing was still out there, their wooden door would have been a relatively fragile barrier. Their anxiety-filled pacing must have made the time slow to a crawl. At one point they broke down and began praying, neither man ever being raised religious. Remind you, these are two battle-hardened, Vietnam veterans that both saw combat. They may have had PTSD but for something to scare both of them to this degree, yeah, it bothers you, doesn't it? Personally, it makes my skin crawl. Yet, with this said, no other strange encounters or experiences happen that night, or ever again for my grandfather. He moved shortly thereafter to a different town in Washington and promptly met my grandmother. Refuses to this day, nearly 50 years later, to step foot into any forest. Sadly, my grandfather said that the thing he and his friends saw in the woods that night was a bad, accurate omen for their lives. My grandfather has been struggling with alcoholism his entire life. Even today, he has had a liver transplant, and still drinks daily. His friend however, committed suicide in 1975. He couldn't handle his own personal demons. Perhaps if there had been proper mental health services back then, things would have turned out differently.